Again, we're so glad you're with us this morning, especially if you're visiting, whether you be here in person or tuning in online, we are so glad that you are a part of our worship today. And I want to echo what Justin was saying earlier. Of course, tonight we're going to be meeting at 5 p.m. at Nakalula Falls for our worship at the Falls. Hope that you can come be a part of that. It's always such a wonderful event and the sign-up sheet is still up. If you want to sign up, go ahead. If you forgot to sign up, you just come on anyway. It's going to be a wonderful, encouraging evening. How, how amazing, after all this time that has passed, to be able to experience some of these blessings of normalcy uh, once again. It's going to be a great evening. You don't want to miss it. Making her way up to the, to the front porch there. We didn't invite them. We didn't encourage them. We, we tried to scare them off a time or two, but they didn't scare too easily. She was actually pretty determined. Uh, as you can see in this next picture, she almost joined us for supper one night as Mark was grilling for us. She just came moseying on up as Mark was grilling, and I have never seen Mark move so fast, boy. <laughs> You want to get a man moving, you let him turn around while he's flipping a hamburger and realize that there is a bear approaching. And as you can see, she was even turning over the bucket, just looking to see if we're leaving anything behind. Now her her big mistake was probably leaving a paw print or two on my mother-in-law's van. That was not received very well, but all in all, it made for a pretty interesting weekend. One of the things we saw was a little dog. A little dog who was just somewhat interested in her and her cubs. He made his way over toward the cubs. And all of a sudden, I finally understood for the very first time what a mama bear All of a sudden, those cubs went up in the tree for protection and that dog went running off in the other direction. Man, mama bears... Mama bears can be pretty fierce in this world. You know, when you go back to the first century, the children of gods, there were a lot of bears in their life, but they weren't literal bears. They were people. People who were ferocious. People who would growl things like, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, we're going to throw you into... Their life being taken from them like we've been taken from them like we looked at last week with Stephen. Stephen was the first of many who have lost their life for simply standing for the cause of Christ. And when that happened, there was someone there, there was a a young bear there who was in complete agreement when Stephen lost his life. You may have caught it last week as we concluded that particular section of Acts. But I want to go back to it for just a a moment. It says, They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at Him. Then they cast Him out of the city and stoned Him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. There's this young man named Saul who is in complete agreement with the execution 
of a man for simply standing up for the cause of Christ. So it could be that you sit there and you say, who, who is this Saul? Well, he was a Jewish man with Roman citizenship. He was a man from Tarsus. He was a man who had grown up under a teacher by the name of Gamaliel. He, he was a man who was young and intense. When I say intense, I mean he was a very zealous man. His zeal, his passion was standing for the Jewish faith and, and defending the Jewish faith against any and all comers. And you know, when the death of Stephen occurred, a great persecution arose against the church. But I tell you, this guy named Saul, he wasn't content with just running them out of Jerusalem. It went further than that. Let's continue on now to verse 3. Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, if you go over to chapter 9, this is the next time we see Saul, beginning of verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Here is this young man named Saul. He is ferocious like any bear. But what he is seeking to devour is a very specific personality. Man or woman, doesn't matter to him. He is seeking to destroy children of gods. He is seeking to murder Christians. Now, at the top of the religious chain of command, during the day of Saul were the Pharisees. Paul was there, excuse me, Saul was a very strong Pharisee. He was a, an individual who would have felt as though no one could be better, no one could be stronger than him or his Pharisees. But, but what he's about to learn, he's about to learn a very hard lesson on the road to Damascus. A lot of times in this life, we get in our head that we are the most strong that we are the most powerful, and that we are the most influential. And what Saul is about to learn is that there is always somebody stronger. There is always somebody more powerful. There is always somebody more influential than you. Going down to verse 3. It says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise, enter the city, and you'll be told what you're to do. There are three very important truths that Saul learned on that Damascus road that day. Truths that he never forgot truths that we should never forget. The first of which is that Jesus is alive. You know, Saul was persecuting Christians because what were they doing? Christians were spreading a lie. They were spreading this terrible lie that they served a resurrected Savior. Saul knew who Jesus was. Saul knew Jesus was a good teacher. Saul also knew they had put Jesus on a cross. And Saul knew that they had taken his lifeless body off of that cross and put it in a tomb. 
And there is no way that this young man, this this zealous Pharisee named Saul, there is no way that anyone could have ever convinced him that that lifeless body of Jesus walked out of that tomb alive. You know, last week we talked for a moment about convictions. And remember one of the things that we, I hope we learned about convictions is sometimes our convictions can be wrong. Saul is a prime example of someone who held a very strong conviction, and he was wrong. But a person who has a heart, a good heart, when undeniable evidence is put in front of them, they'll be willing to change their mind. Convictions changing in a heartbeat. A second truth he learned here is that Jesus will oppose. Saul thought that the Christians, they're weak. They're nobodies. There are people to be walked on, silenced, destroyed. Insignificant. But what he learned that day is that if you persecute the church, you're also persecuting the head of the church, who is Jesus. And while the church scattered in fear of persecution, Jesus wasn't running from Saul. Jesus stood toe-to-toe with Saul. Eyeball-to-eyeball, man-to-man. He wasn't running from Saul. He wasn't sending Saul some some email, you know. He wasn't putting putting Saul on blast. No, no, no. He had a conversation the way men have conversations. Face to face. He opposed Saul. The last truth there that he learned is that Jesus will win. Let's take us back for a minute to the words of Gamaliel. Remember, Gamaliel is... The mentor. He's the teacher of Saul. Very wise man. And there was one point around Acts chapter 5 where there was a lot of conversation as to what should be done about these disciples of Christ. What should be done about the church. And what was it that Gamaliel said to the Sanhedrin council? We read this in Acts chapter 5 beginning in verse 38. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or the undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. You know, and the one that you know who was nailed to a cross... When the one that you know, a a spear was thrust into his side. When the one that you know, his lifeless body was taken off the cross and buried in a tomb. When that one interrupts your road trip, you better listen. You, You better pay close attention to what he's about to say to you. Because the last thing you want to do, the last thing that any of us want to do, is find ourselves on the opposing side of God. Because if we get in a fight with God, you better believe we'll lose. Time and time again, we will lose that battle. Jesus was brought back from death to life after spending three days in a tomb. And now, 
This is following his ascension. Here he is standing before Saul. Verse 7 says, The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and all those eyes were opened. He saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now from there, skip down to verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. Do you know any bears? Do you know any bears in your life? You know, people who have no time for the Word of God. People who may actually be somewhat hostile toward the very idea of Christians, the church, or Jesus. Do you know any people that in your mind, if you're honest, just based on how they live their life and the things they profess, that in your mind you think, man... There is absolutely no hope for them. You know, even today, God continues to shine a great light in this earth, in the people of this world. But it's in a different form now. Now the light that is shown is a reflection of His Son through you. Through faithful children of God through men and women of faith and conviction who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are trying to live their life for Him, you, you are a light that is being reflected so that all mankind, so that this world, as, as dark and as dreary as it may be, it can still know Jesus because of you. I know that you know Saul would go on to become the Apostle Paul a great evangelist for the cause of Christ who endured so much, who wrote so much of those New Testament letters that we know and love so well. Listen to what he would write in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead, expose them. Has anyone ever asked you, why are you so different? Why, why are you always so kind? Why, why do you always seem to be so optimistic? Why do you seem to be so willing to sacrifice and to do for other people? Why do you just seem to always make good choices when so many of the rest of us make bad ones? Why are you so different? When you're asked that, what do you say? You say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's how my parents raised me. Or I, I guess it's just uh, somewhat in my nature, just kind of who I am. 
And look, those are good answers, and I know there's a lot of validity to those answers, but, but understand those answers don't have the power to change someone's life. That the answer to those questions can be found in the exact same truths that Saul discovered that day on that Damascus road. You want to know why I'm different? Well, Jesus is alive. It has nothing to do with me. It's because I serve a risen Savior. He's not dead. He is alive. And He is living in me. And because He is living in me, He is helping to shape me, to mold me, to conform me more into His image with each and every new day. It's not about me. It's about Him. Well, why are you so different? Well, I'm different because Jesus will oppose. You see, I, I reached a point in my life I knew. I knew that I was not who I needed to be in the eyes of God. Sure, on the outside, everything seemed to be put together pretty well, but on the inside, I was just a huge train wreck. And I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that the reason that I was such a train wreck, emotionally and mentally, was because spiritually, my, my convictions, my belief, my judgments, my decisions, they weren't really in line with the will of God. And when I finally began to making my choices, not so much based on what I wanted, but on what God wants, well, you know what? I suddenly found that life became a whole lot better. Why are you so different? Because Jesus will win. One of these days, Jesus Christ will return to this world. He's never going to set foot on this physical earth again. But when He returns, everything will be made right. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the only one who has the power to defeat both sin and death itself. Now, I don't know about you all, but I want a part of that. Whenever that victory comes, that eternal victory, I want Jesus to know that I've been doing my very best to live my life on this earth in a way that is pleasing to Him so that I can experience that eternal reward that has been promised to, to all of those who would surrender their life to Him. Because He will always be King of kings, Lord of lords. And I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy that, that heavenly home one day. I want to be on the winning side. Do you know what though? Those truths, they have the power to change lives of men. They have the power to pull people into Jesus. They have the power to point people in the right direction. But we can't wait on folks to ask us why we're so different. We've got to go to them with those same truths. With that same message. You say, oh no, hold on now, hold on. I like the idea of people asking me why I'm different. That's a lot easier <laughs> than going to someone. And I don't want to go to a family member or a friend that I know doesn't care, that I know doesn't have any, any interest in the Word of God. I, man, they will, they will chew me up and spit me out and I don't want anything to do with it. I completely understand those feelings. I know what that's like. And I want you to know we're not the first to have those feelings of fear. Let's go back in our text to verse 10. 
It says, Now there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man named Saul. For behold, he's praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. I appreciate Ananias' initial response so much. It's so honest. It's so real. Do you, you hear what he's saying? Uh, Lord, <clears throat> I know you're God of all gods, but uh, maybe you forgot who this is. Maybe, maybe you don't remember what he's done and you don't know what he's doing. So I need to remind you real quick. <laughs> Let me remind you, God, of who this is. This is Saul. He's a bad dude. Maybe you mean somebody else. Saul may be a pretty common name, right? I mean, sure there's some other Saul somewhere out there. But maybe you just got him confused. <laughs> Listen to what God says. The Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. God, God opened the eyes of Saul when those scales fell off and he received sight from his blindness. But God also opened the eyes of Ananias to help him see beyond who Saul was and to help him see who Saul could be. And maybe that's what God wants us to do today. Maybe He wants to op us to open our eyes in that same way to a coworker or a classmate or a rebellious child or an unbelieving spouse. He wants us to finally open our eyes and to see them through His eyes, not ours. And to see them for who they can be in Him, not who they currently are. Listen, church. I want us to know... Don't start singing yet. God, God can even change the meanest old bears. And so I, I hope and I pray that we leave this place with a renewed zeal to not be afraid to take the name of Jesus to those who need Him the most. Because you never know, I never know, the very person that we think they will never, they will never even come to church and worship with me, let alone sitting down and allowing someone to open the Word of God and guide them to what they must do to be saved. You don't know that for sure. Sure. They may have rejected us hundreds of times already. God would still say unto us the same way He said to Ananias, Go. Go. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never obeyed the Gospel. You've never surrendered your life. 
You can today. This is the most important message that you may ever receive. It's not from me, but it's from the Word of God. That there is someone, and that someone is Jesus. And He came to this earth, and He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. And He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. He died on the cross for the sins of a man named Saul. You may think you have done far too much in your life to ever come to God. You may think that you have messed up far too much to ever make your life right. How many Christians have you murdered? How many innocent people have you victimized? I know someone, through the Word of God, I know someone who's guilty of those things. And thanks be to the blood of Jesus, he was forgiven. Thanks be to the blood of Jesus, he became a a great warrior for the cause of Christ. And so can you. But, but it begins with you surrendering your life and, and allowing, allowing the blood of Jesus to remove, to cut away the burden of all your past sins as you go into that watery grave. And by the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave three days later, you will be resurrected by the power of God to walk in newness of life. Meaning you will be resurrected by the power of God clean, white as snow, the, the, the guilt, the burden of all those past sins cut away, removed, no more. It's an amazing thing. Or maybe you're here as a child of God so you've done that. Maybe just, especially over this past year, man, we just haven't been taking the gospel to the world the way that we know we should. May we determine today that as all this, this normalcy that we hoped for and have longed for, as it comes more and more to us, oh man, the realization that the opportunities to share Jesus, they abound. And our Lord would look at us today and He'd say, go. If we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?